Welcome to Economics Amplified, a podcast where we talk about insights on today's biggest economic issues being tackled by researchers at UChicago's Becker Freeman Institute. In this episode, we speak with Manasi Deshpande, who currently works at the Institute as a postdoctoral research fellow, leading up to joining the UChicago Economics Department as an assistant professor in the fall of 2016. Deshpande's research interests include the effects of social insurance and public assistance programs on consumption, health, and well-being, and the interaction between these programs and labor markets. By taking advantage of newly available data from the Social Security Administration, she's been able to gather quantitative insights into the impact that social insurance programs have on long-term outcomes of their recipients, important when weighing their overall benefits and costs. So I think a lot of it has to do with data constraints, really, that until now we haven't had access to great administrative data or survey data that could tell us, you know, 20 years into the future, what what are the effects of having put a child or removed a child from a welfare program? Um, and now the increasing availability of, of administrative data as well as increased computing powers really helping us to understand these long-term effects. The ultimate objective of digging through this data is to shift the conversation about social insurance programs toward numbers rather than anecdotal and polarized successes and failures of specific programs. I think political debates about social insurance and, and public assistance programs tend to characterize the issues in, in extreme ways. So, you know, these programs are either plagues that spread idleness and irresponsibility, or their panaceas that have no perverse effects on recipients. And the truth is probably somewhere in between. And as a society, we have to decide where on that spectrum we want to be between those two extremes. And that involves a moral and philosophical question, a question of social values, but it also involves empirical evidence, actually estimating the extent to which people respond to the incentives provided by these programs or don't respond, the extent to which these programs are helping households weather difficult times. In her job market paper, Deshpande uses the Supplementary Security Income Program as an example of an expanding welfare program that could benefit from empirical evaluation. SSI is a tax-funded income supplement program that helps elderly, blind, and disabled citizens cover basic expenses. Deshpande wanted to understand how removing a family from this program might affect the long-term outcomes for low-income youth. SSI is actually now the largest cash welfare program in the United States. And the 1.3 million children who are on this program, a majority are diagnosed with a mental or behavioral condition like ADHD, speech delay, or autism spectrum disorder. Um, the vast majority come from very low income, disadvantaged households. And they're at risk for poor life outcomes like high school dropout, uh, crime, and low earnings. One anecdotal explanation for this correlation is often that welfare programs discourage labor market success or even cause laziness. Deshpande hypothesized that if that were true, when kids are removed from SSI, they would be pushed into the labor market faster and would flourish with self-sufficiency. I use quasi-random variation in children who were removed from SSI at the age of 18. And I compare their outcomes about 16 years later to children who were quasi-randomly assigned to stay on the program in adulthood. And what I find is that SSI youth who were removed from the program 
do very poorly in the labor market. They are earning on average just $4,000 a year in reported earnings, and they have very minimal earnings growth over time. So with most populations, you see a substantial upward earnings trajectory from the age of 18 to you know when I see these kids at 35. For this population, on average, their earnings are almost completely flat at $4,000 a year. And in addition to low earnings levels, they also are experiencing a large increase in, in income volatility because the ones who stay on SSI are receiving these relatively stable SSI payments, relatively stable welfare payments. But the ones who were removed are relying on earnings as their primary source of income. And earnings for low-income, low-education populations in particular are highly volatile because of high turnover and unpredictable hours in sectors like food service and retail. So this evidence suggests that SSI is not substantially holding back the youth who are staying on this program in adulthood. In a recent working paper, Deshpande extends this work. Income is only part of the picture. There's a much broader set of indicators of the overall impact these programs can have on their recipients, and she's seeking to enumerate them. To really understand how they're doing in adulthood, their quality of life, uh, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how, how, what, especially given their extremely low earnings, the ones who were removed, right? How are they living? How are they getting by? And if they're if they're working so little, then what is it that they're doing? Do low earnings link individuals to a higher likelihood of turning to criminal activity to get by? How does that low income affect their reaction to shocks like bankruptcy or the ability to get loans and credit? Do social insurance programs that supplement income make their recipients healthier, more likely to attain education? Deshpande wants to better understand how the structure of social insurance, how long benefits are available, or when families expect them to expire, can have a ripple effect across their future outcomes. I think all of these outcomes are, are important to getting a comprehensive picture of how SSI is affecting them in the long term. You know, I'm trying to take the, the findings from my job market paper, which suggests that removing a child from SSI at 18 um, unexpectedly, so this welfare reform, this, this very source of variation that I'm using came as a surprise to families, so they're being removed unexpectedly at 18, and I find poor outcomes in adulthood. How would those outcomes be different if they were either removed earlier in life, earlier than 18, when their families still had time to adjust human capital decisions, or if they were given more advance warning of the possibility of being removed at 18, which again might prompt families to adjust human capital decisions in, in to, to try to prepare the child for a life without government benefits. This leads to the big question, what can a rich examination of the outcomes for SSI recipients tell us about the broader long-term effects of welfare programs more generally? This is a particular population of low-income youth with disabilities, um, but I think that given that many of their disabilities are disabilities that are found more commonly in the community, that these could have more generalizable effects, and in particular the my findings on income volatility, that SSI is having this income stabilization effect, is something that's potentially relevant to all kinds of welfare programs, that in general this is about welfare payments being more stable than the earnings that are available to low education, low wage populations. 
And there's been some qualitative work uh, documenting welfare recipients saying, well, you know, I could leave welfare and get a job, but there is a very high likelihood that I will lose that job soon, and it's costly to get back on welfare. So if I leave welfare now, there's a huge amount of uncertainty in my future income stream, and the, the stability that welfare provides is very important to, to me and my children. And this paper is trying to quantify that effect that's been already been documented in a, in a qualitative way. Ishpandi's work has a strong potential to reframe the discussion around disability benefits using an empirical lens rather than anecdotes or assumptions. The fact that this source of income is going to be available when earnings are highly subject to you know, turnover, to the hours that somebody is given, and that this feature of welfare programs, a stability value, may make it more attractive than researchers or policymakers have previously thought. This could make welfare more attractive relative to earnings, and it might be one reason why welfare recipients value these programs. You know, all forms of social insurance, disability insurance, health insurance, unemployment insurance, involve trade-offs. And these trade-offs are between helping people who have been hit by adverse shocks or life circumstances, helping them to weather those, uh, weather those shocks. And then on the other hand, these programs run the risk of discouraging productivity or achievement. And so, you know, the optimal level of insurance, whether it's SSI or some other form of social insurance, is both a philosophical question and a moral question but also an empirical question, right? And that, I think that's what the role of research is, is to provide empirical estimates of how people change their behavior in response to these programs, you know, whether potential perverse incentives are in fact, in practice, producing poor outcomes and also the extent to which these programs are helping families, the extent to which they are providing resources that would otherwise be unavailable or would be very costly to obtain for these people. So, you know, a good example with disability insurance is we look at the effects of disability programs on work. And to some extent, it's, it's a good thing when we find that disability insurance discourage what we would call what we say discourages work, reduces work, right? That's why disability insurance exists because we do think that there are some people in society for whom work is so costly that we would rather them be on the disability program than have to undertake a very costly work effort. How do we target these programs to the people whom we consider deserving? First of all, who who is deserving? And how do, how do those people respond to the incentives that disability insurance provides them, right? So again, we have to think about the trade-offs that we're creating as a society. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Economics Amplified on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and on our website. Our theme music is by Boris Mann 2, whom you can listen to on SoundCloud. The show is produced with help from Tony Shears and Ferenc Juarez and is edited by Mark Rickers. That's me. The Becker Friedman Institute for Research and Economics advances inquiry that illuminates our choices, our economy, our society, and our future. To learn more about the Institute, 
visit bfi.uchicago.edu.